We're joined on the line now by Nadir Token, Investment Analyst at 274 Investment Managers. Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. Nadir, I want to start by, um, you know, uh, taking a look uh, at what's happening at Barclays Group Africa, because that was in the news quite a bit not so long ago. Um, And what's the investment case for Barclays Group Africa at this point? Yeah, Sakina, I mean, so if we look at the business, we know that uh, Barclays PLC, which is a bank listed out of London, had a majority stake in the business. Um, you know, and we know that they're looking to exit that state. They're looking to exit all African operations and focus solely on their developed markets and UK operations. So putting their stake up for sale, we know that the PIC initially took up about just over 12% of that stake. And we know that there's still just over 50% stake available, um, which Barclays has said they, they, they're looking for a, for, for a suitor for, for that stake. Now, I mean, if you look at the business, it's trading very, very cheaply in the market. I mean, uh, you know, it's on eight times forward earnings on uh, possibly a seven or around about a seven percent dividend yield. Um, you know, they've been growing their their retail book gradually, and they've been taking market share slightly away from the other banks and uh, probably most from from uh, first rand uh, over the recent past into the difficult economic times. They've been growing their book marginally. Um, you know, so. Quite a compelling investment case for the company based purely on valuation, Sakina, because it is fairly cheap. Uh, there's a little bit of concern around uh, the credit which they've extended into a declining economic environment and uh, whether that will push non-performing loans up uh, quite drastically. But the bottom line is that the bank is uh, fairly well covered. Um, you know, there's, there's, the, the, the market has been uh, discounting uh, the bank relative to some of its quality peers because it hasn't earned a return in line with the, the likes of a first round, with the likes of a first round having a return on equity, um, you know, sort of around 23, 24%. And Barclays Group Africa, you know, in the high, in the high teens, closer to sort of 17, 18%. So, you know, management hasn't been as good or ahead of the curve as, for example, uh, a, a world-class bank or first-in-class bank uh, first round in terms of innovation and, uh, you know, opening more retail accounts. Um, you know, and, and, and I think to compensate for this, they started extending credit into a declining credit environment. And, uh, you know, if, if that works out quite well and if they manage to keep their non-performing loans relatively well contained, uh, that will obviously work out very well for, for Barclays Group Africa and could see quite a bit of value unlock. Uh, but because of the uncertain economic times, uh, you know, we see the market putting it on a fairly big discount. I mean, eight forward and a seven a seven percent dividend yield is really, really undemanding, and that really forms the biggest underpin for the investment case in Barclays Group Africa. We know that uh, there's a number of suitors interested in it. Um, probably the most high profile is uh, the f- former Barclays CEO um, Bob Diamond, whose new consortium Atlas Mora. And uh, they're looking to take a stake in the bank. There's also talks of a private equity group led by the Abraj group looking to take up the 50% stake. Uh, but all in all, until this is all concluded, um, you know, there will be a cap on the upside to how much APSA can go up, given that the stake is, is, is for sale, Barclays stake is for sale. Um, and also that uh, sentiment towards the company won't be great in a declining economic environment, given the, the, the expanding uh, credit uh, profile. And then what is the outlook for global earnings growth moving forward, Nadir? Yeah, Sakina, this is an interesting one, you know, because for the recent past, certainly over the last two years, 
the majority of the returns that we see coming through in global equity markets, whether it be the U.S. or whether it be global equity markets um, in general, has really been a multiple expansion driven. So basically, when you look at equities, uh, there's three possible sources of return. You can either get earnings growth, you can get uh, dividends, or you can get multiple expansion. Basically, how much am I willing to pay for one rand of earnings in this company? And uh, a lot of the returns which have come through from global equities recently, somewhere in the region of uh, 85, 90% of returns have been multiple expansion driven, meaning that people are willing to pay more uh, for one rand of future earnings than what they were willing to pay in the past, rather than earnings growth, uh, earnings growth uh, driven. So, you know, this, this then results in a scenario where equities trade a lot more expensively, they, they, their PE multiples expand without the earnings growth coming through. And this obviously creates a lot of investor nervousness. And this is what we've seen happening in the global equity market sort of over the last uh, nine months or so, where we've seen a lot of uh, an increase in volatility on the back of heightened multiples and people worried about where the earnings growth is going to come through. If we fast forward, um, you know, the picture to today, you know, we're sitting in a, in a scenario where uh, the global growth is coming off a really, really low base relative to, say, a year ago. Um, you know, so there, there, there doesn't need to be sort of a lot of uh, bang and fireworks in order to see um, moderate growth relative to one year ago. So the, the, the pressure on the top line or, or the momentum for the top line earnings for, for global corporate is certainly improving because of low base effects. Um, you know, and, and, and then if we also look at the budding recovery within the developed market, certainly within the U.S., we know that the jobs number is very disappointing, but ultimately the unemployment rate remains now well below 5%. The uh, labor participation rate is improving, and uh, you know the, the, the economy seems to fi- seems to be finding some sort of a level. And certainly, the Federal Reserve remains confident of this, saying that increasing interest rates at the appropriate time is still the appropriate is still the right measure. So, you know, in, uh, improving U.S. economy, uh, Europe showing signs of a budding recovery. You know, we see certainly economic confidence in the region is improving, um, and this could re- result in corporates feeling confident enough to, you know, unlock a bit of uh, uh, investment spend, you know, cash locked on their balance sheets, and obviously a very low interest rate policy and, and, and highly accommodative uh, monetary policy from the European Central Bank led by the quantitative easing program could see, you know, further further momentum for growth in the region. And this just creates a more attractive environment for earnings growth, you know, which is very desperately needed in the global equity space. Oh, thank you so much, Nadia. Token Investment Analyst at 274 Investment Managers. AM Live with Sakina Kamwendo on 